The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Brooke McCarthy. Brooke is an actor and singer living in Philadelphia. When she was in her 20s, Brooke met a guy who introduced her to the world of polyamory. She takes us through their relationship, how it helped her grow as a person, and how it led to her creating a one-woman show called How to Be an Ethical Slut. Hey, Brooke, how's it going? Hey, Brian, it's going. How about you? Good. Just, you know, getting through the week. Um, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> starting starting off my weekend with getting to talk to you about tough love, which is a very exciting way to start the weekend. Yeah, I would agree. What a Friday yeah. we're having. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm excited to have you on. And yeah, what did you want to talk about today? Yeah, so I would actually love to talk about the relationship, this chapter of my life that my solo show is based on. And so for those who are listening, um, I have a one-woman musical comedy show called How to Be an Ethical Slut, and the show is a fictionalized version of a chapter of my life, and I get questions all the time from people like wanting to know how much of it is true, and I usually say about 75% of it is true, but when you approached me about this podcast, I was like, oh, this is the perfect place to actually talk about, you know, the juicy details of the real relationship <laughs> that didn't make it into the show. The other, the other 25%. <laughs> exactly. I'll just talk about how I met my ex <laughs> and we'll go from there. Yeah, cool. So um, for the purpose of the podcast, I'm going to use the, the character's name um, and not the real name. So my ex-boyfriend, his name is Guy. And we had this really cute, you know, meet cute moment. Um, I It was several years ago now. I had just moved to Philadelphia and I was taking this improv class and I left the class and I was walking around the corner to go grab a beer as you do. And I happened to look down on my phone and out of nowhere, some really tall giant man came up from behind me and slapped my phone out of my hand. It was so unexpected. I literally was like horrified. So I stood there in shock and this group of people behind me sort of saw this interaction and they came up to me and they're like, Hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, where's my phone? And this guy who was, who was my ex and turned into guy, um, you know, he finds my phone, he grabs it. He's like, Hey, why don't you come with us? We're all going to go grab a drink at Tria. And I was like, no way. I was going to Tria too. <laughs> so it was like this crazy weird moment of like unexpected interaction. And so that is how I met Guy. We And we had this group of friends and we were all, it turns out we were all leaving the Philadelphia <laughs> improv comedy school, like what's called Fit Comedy. Okay. So they also were leaving like a class yeah. at the same time you were leaving mm -hmm. a different class and just going yep. to the same bar. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So we were all leaving the same, like the same improv school and we ended up bonding over being like, you know, in week two of improv classes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, we ended up calling our little group of friends street slap. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's yeah, how we you, met. If, if you had started a, uh, like an indie team, that would have been your exactly. indie team's, uh, yep, And that was name. our running joke. Like one day we'll start an indie team called street slap. Cause this is how we met. <laughs> um, so anyway, so 
So I became really good friends with all of the people in the group and especially Guy. And one day we decided to basically go out for dinner, just the two of us without the whole friend group. And it was one of those things where, you know, we were new first, first, like I was just new to the city and we were getting to know each other. And so I didn't really know if it was a date or not, but you know, halfway through it was like, oh, okay, this is a date. Like, you know, we were dressed up, we met for like (laughs) nice dinner and cocktails, like duh, Brooke, this is a date. (laughs) You both came into it of that sense of, I don't know this is a date, but I'm going to like go as if it is a date. And because both of you did that, it's like, okay, now we're in date energy mode versus yeah. <laughs> like friend energy mode. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like very different vibe than the street slap, like grabbing yeah. a beer. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, so we ended up obviously like really hitting it off. And, um, you know, even after that first date, he biked me home, which, you know, became like a cute little thing in our relationship. We would bike all over the city together and you know, first date energy, like he definitely, you know, made out with me like at my stairwell and it was super <laughs> cute. Um, and so fast forward, um, we've gone out on a few dates. We've hung out with our street slap friends. And one day I'm stalking him on Facebook as you do. <laughs> and I happened to open the family and relationships section under the about section <laughs> in Facebook. And you know how you can, you can like tag like, oh, this is my mom. This is my cousin, which yeah. is just like weird. It's like, yeah. okay, Facebook, like, do we really need to tell everybody all of this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and so I see under the family and relationships section, um, a person who is listed as wife. And I'm like, huh? And she had a different last name, which, you know, I know that like people do that. But, you know, at this point also, this is still very sheltered, Brooke. Like this is still like South Jersey, Brooke, who... Like, I just hadn't experienced enough of the world yet. Like, this is pre-me reading the book, The Ethical Slut. This is, like, when I think that, like, monogamy is still a thing. Like, you know, it was – and so – And so, like, how how old are you? I'm 30 now, and at the time I was around 24. So are you seeing this, and are you kind of like, this person's married, or is the immediate thing like, oh, maybe he, like, this was, like, a joke he had with somebody – Exactly. That was my original thought. I was like, oh, surely this is a joke. They don't even share the same last name. Like, this is weird. But then it was just, but I will be honest that he is a lot older than me. And both of us, when we met, we thought that we were, like, he thought I was 30 and I thought he was 30. And mind you, at the time I was 24 and he was 18 years older than me. So whatever that math would be. (laughs) (laughs) So like, there's a lot of possibilities floating through my brain. And I'm just like, this is weird. But I obviously have to ask him about it. And we weren't Facebook friends yet. Like, we weren't quite there. Like, we'd only been on a few dates. So, (laughs) yeah. So, you've been on a few dates, you'd made out, and you're like, okay, there's like something happening between us. And now I see that, like, he has a wife, and I don't, maybe, maybe has a wife, but I don't know how to like bring this up. Exactly. And no, no ring finger, because I checked. Like, I'm not irresponsible, right? No ring on his (laughs) finger. So, after, it was probably like later that week, we had another date and I think we like went for a round of drinks at one place and we're like leaving that place. And <laughs> funny, fun fact, I'll never forget. He like pushed me up against the brick wall and like we made out and it was like so cute and sexy. And like someone like drove past us and like honked at us. Like it was hilarious, like ridiculous. But I'll never forget that moment because right after that moment, I literally grab his hand, specifically his ring finger. And I'm like, are you married? <laughs> And he like stops and like sort of like sighs and smiles and he just very calmly goes, let's find a place to sit down. (laughs) And I'm like, oh shit, what is, what? And so we ended up going to like a cute little park in Philly and sitting on a bench and then he just kind of explained everything to me. He's like, 
yes, I'm married. Um, my wife and I are poly. We basically see other people. This is okay. Like she knows. Um, and at first I was more just horrified of like, why didn't you tell me? Like, why did like at this point, like I thought we were sort of becoming friends and obviously we had been on a few dates. I was like, why didn't you just tell me? Like I'm a very open and forgiving person and, and even more so now than I was then. So I was just kind of like upset. And, and he's just like, well, you know, we had only been out on a few dates. And so I, I didn't really know where it was going was sort of like, I didn't know where, I didn't know if it was even going to be necessary. I didn't know if we were going to want to keep dating each other. And so I was like, okay, like I, that's fair. And then we sort of continue processing it. And, um, and he, you know, he even tells me that like they used to date people together, like they were in triads or throuples, whatever you want to call it. But then she is more into women. So she mostly dates women now. And he, you know, like he is happy to like have a girlfriend of his own and, you know, and I was, I had just come off of a breakup with my college boyfriend. So I wasn't really looking for a relationship, like a committed relationship. And so I was actually like really okay with it. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, this is like the stakes of this feel like the right stakes that I'm looking for at this time. Yeah, I was like, great. Like, and my my college boyfriend was a year younger than me, which doesn't sound like a lot, but like, you know, I was sort of, I've always been a little more mature for my age. Like, I think it's because I was an only child and I grew up, like, I was one of the younger people in the family. So I always grew up around a lot of adults. And so like, I was, it was really refreshing to hang out with someone who I felt like was just more mature and like, yeah, so it was really nice. And so, um... I was like really okay with it. I was like, I'm not really looking for a committed relationship. I'm having a lot of fun getting to know this person, exploring the city. Like he had lived in Philly for, let's just say, I don't know, like a decade at this point. And I was new to the city, even though I had been coming in for improv and dance classes for like the last couple of years, it was just like, oh, like I live here now. And we were very, we had very exciting energy together. So I was like, okay, like, thank you for telling me. And it just sort of like, sparked my curiosity like I wasn't like I wasn't offended once I got past the initial shock of like why didn't you tell me and understood his reasoning for you know divulging the information as he did it was like okay like I totally could see your perspective yeah and I guess that also comes from this place of again you him being 18 years older yeah he's just in a different place like where like kind of his his view of relationships and how he's experienced a relationship and being in a marriage like that has all changed where you're like, yeah, I'm fresh coming out of my college relationship and I don't know what yeah. I'm doing in life. And like, <laughs> exactly. this is kind of new and exciting and it's a fun world yeah. to then, like, I think as you said, like you started to dive into kind of understanding what like more of this world was about, right? Yes. And I was very intrigued because I didn't know, I didn't have the words for it, but I always had this feeling that I just never wanted to be with just one person for the rest of my life. And so even when I was like breaking up with my college boyfriend, I was just like, I had moments throughout that relationship. And that was a three-year relationship where I was like really tempted. Like I had crushes on other people and I was really tempted. And it was like, this sucks. This feels cruel. Like just because I like other people and I'm with this one person who I also really like and love, like why can't I express like and love for this other person? And so, like, finding out that Guy and his wife Mona were poly, I didn't know that this even existed. It just opened up a whole world for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, so then after we sort of got through that little um, that little conversation, 
basically, you know, we were off to the races. We were going on dates. We became inseparable. We were just having so much fun together. Um, you know, like I said, he, he had lived in the city for a while. So he was always planning fun dates to take me to a different restaurant or a different cocktail bar. And so we just had a really lovely and fun time together. And we were both doing improv. So we would see silly shows together. Like we did have a lot of stuff, um, in common. And I will say too, because there was so much good that came out of this relationship. I mean, I wrote a whole show about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that alone, just the art, the art that came out. Literally, of <laughs> thank you for the art. Like, what? <laughs> but like, I want to say too, you know, this person was really a driving force in my life and expanding my open mindedness and really setting the foundation for the person that I became today. And I love who I am today. And it's really like so much because of him in this relationship. And just like some examples and like some are silly and some are like important or like we, I, I appreciate, I have this like huge appreciation for cocktails and it, because of him, like at the time, like I, I liked cocktails, but I still really only drank, you know, like a vodka something or other. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I started drinking gin cocktails and I got really into like understanding the mixology and, and so things like that. Um, you know, we started talking about politics and I became more aware of what was going on in the world, which is important. And for most of my life, I like lived under a rock about it. And just so I felt like I was just growing up and maturing these beautiful ways. And even with art, um, he was always really supportive of my weird performance gigs, which was really lovely in a partner. And he was even like a great tour guide. Um, I remember going to the museum with him and it was like my own personal docent, which is, it just made the museum fun. You know, he even brought me to my first orchestra and he knew so much about the composers that again, he made it fun and relatable. And it was just like, we, we had so much fun together and there was so much good that came out of our relationship. Um, that, like I said, that really just sort of set up the foundation for who I am. And so now I'm going to go back into some of like the juicier details. Okay. <laughs> So, um, so going back a little bit, so we, like, we took the intimacy part of our relationship, like, slower than I probably normally would have, but w which made it really fun and spicy, and I'll never forget the moment before, like, we basically were going to get intimate for the first time, he paused what was going on, and basically, like, took out his phone, was like, hey, I want to show you something, and he wanted to show me that he had gotten an STD test, <laughs> And it was so awkward for like 24-year-old Brooke. I'm like, why are we? Yeah, doing why did this? you have to get an SCD test? Like you're like you're like there there was a reason you had to do this versus like thinking like <laughs> it was so awkward and I was like, okay, he's like making this really spicy moment even more awkward. <laughs> and it, it ends up being like this hilarious but like really necessary conversation about our bodies and sexual health and it's a core memory to me. It's a pivotal moment because it's just like, oh, even though it's awkward, these are really important conversations that we need to have. And so that was just like another, like a funny little moment from the beginning. Um, and then of course, like I mentioned, you know, this is really like my first experience into even understanding what polyamory is. And so I'll never forget, unfortunately, he was going to maybe like that summer. So I think we met in like March. And by that summer, he was going up to visit his dad, like a couple states north. And he was going away for the weekend. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, is your wife going with you? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Why not? But well, I don't know, work, busy. And I was like, okay. Like, literally didn't care one way or the other. I was just asking the question to ask. 
Well, come to find out like weeks later, I don't know how, I just had this sinking suspicion that he lied about it. And so I kept pressing like over the weeks. I'm like, what? Like, and obviously I ended up finding out that she did go with him. And it was just this moment of like, dude, I knew you were married from like date three. Like, I know that you live with your wife. Like, why did you lie about that? (laughs) Yeah, like this strange, like he's, I guess maybe like, trying to protect you or something like that but yeah. like it's in your mind you're like yeah I understand you're married and like it would make sense that your wife would go with with <laughs> you to meet your dad or whatever yeah it's like right so yeah for you it's like the more the thing that felt more hurtful wasn't that he was going yeah. with his wife it was that that he lied about not going with her exactly I didn't care that she, I wouldn't have cared that she was going with you but I'm hurt after the fact because you didn't tell me And so then maybe fast forward, around the same time, I was actually being sent to New York for a work training. Um, I am an auditor by day, fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I was being sent to New York for work training and my ex from undergrad uh, was in New York all the time for the stuff he was working on. And so of course, like the dummy that I am, I ended up meeting up with him and we ended up hooking up that night. And so um, fast forward, like when I got back to um, to Philly, a uh, guy and I basically go and have a picnic date on the river. And we were literally truly catching up about my work trip and just about our weeks or whatever. And he asks me, like, did you see your ex while you were there? And I was like, yeah, and I couldn't lie about it. And I'm I'm a terrible liar. So I couldn't hide that. Like, clearly, I was feeling really uncomfortable yeah. once he started asking questions about my ex. Yeah, it's kind of like the version of you asking him about going upstate or whatever, like going exactly. Out of, yeah. yeah. Yep. So both of us were in these weird positions. Now, mind you, mine is probably yeah. You maybe know, <laughs> I definitely was the one that messed up a little bit more in this scenario. Um, but but it seems like you're kind of navigate. You're learning how to kind of navigate the the ins and outs of like what polyamory is, right? And sort exactly. of I guess like the rules of it, and yep. like not that there's the set version of rules but I guess figuring out what your own rules are for this yeah that's totally exactly what was going on for us we both were just trying to figure out how much do we tell the other person we're both aware that these things are going on to a certain extent but how much do we tell them and so that picnic date on the river like he eventually pulls it out of me in the show it's like a very quick boom 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 but like in real life I mean he had to pull it out of me I was doing everything I could to to dodge that I was like really did not want to have to admit And eventually what it came down to was, you know, sexual safety. And I was like, shit. Yeah, kind of going back to that, the STD, like, check, like, that version of when you say sexual safety, you kind of mean that, like that. That's exactly it. And I was like, well, shit, okay. And so he was, and, and the same thing happened. He's like, I'm actually, I'm not mad that you hooked up with your ex. I'm really not even, like, I'm not surprised at all. Like, I kind of expected that to happen, knowing you were going there and knowing that he's there all the time. And, you know, he was, you know, obviously a bit wiser than me in this scenario. So he <laughs> totally knew it. He called it. And, um, and but the thing was, he's like, I just really am upset that you were going to try to lie about it, that you were actively trying to lie and hide it. So similar veins, though my act was probably a little more <laughs> worse, severe, whatever. <laughs> and mind you, like the whole time, um, I like you called like I was processing my own beliefs about non-monogamy. I was processing my own beliefs about like or my what I did want in a partner in a relationship and we were spending a lot of time together. Um and so 
yeah, it was just, it was really interesting to sort of like have to have some of these hard and awkward conversations. But ultimately, I think all of those awkward and hard conversations brought us closer and we were able to forgive each other and understand each other's perspective and just talk through it. And that was really important. So then let's see, there was another bump in the road where I was in a show. I was rehearsing a show in South Jersey and there was this guy who was in the show. He was like the one actor they brought down from New York. And, um, we like, we're hitting it off in rehearsal and like a little, I'm like always a little bit flirty. Like that's just like how people read my personality, honestly. (laughs) So, you know, we're hitting it off in rehearsal and like one night he asks me to hang out after and the way that he asked me, like I thought other people were going to go too until I got there and I realized I was the only one there and I was like, oh shit. (laughs) And anyway, long story short, I end up be, this person ends up telling me about these swinger, like parties that he had been to with his wife and he's younger than guy. So, and he was telling me about this whole other world of like swinging. And I was just like, so curious about it. I did not know it existed. Yeah. Like you're like getting to the point where you're like, okay, I'm getting really comfortable in this like polyamory pool. And now there's this other pool that's over here. And it's like, there's so much more going on. People are having sex in this pool and I don't know. Yeah. It was like wild. And I think, you know, Guy and I had been together for definitely at least like over a year by this point. And so like we had been together for a while. And so I was just like fascinated with this actor from New York who was telling me this stuff. Because I, again, like it just, it was another one of those moments where it was just opening my eyes to this whole other world that existed that I thought was taboo. And so fast forward, like. I end up making out with this person. So poo poo on me. Like I end up telling guy, he was really mad about it. Cause like, you know, we didn't really discuss whether that was going to be okay before or not. And so that was like a whole fight. But eventually what ended up happening was like, I started researching, like, I just had to know, I was like, is, is a swingers club like a thing? What are these parties? Like, I just needed to know, come to find out there are actually a couple of swingers clubs right in Philadelphia. <laughs> And so after, you know, Guy and I had processed like the shitty part of what, like how I discovered about Swingers Club, um, not long after we decided to check one out. <laughs> okay. So yeah, this, yeah, yeah, so you're, yeah. So you're like, great. I know I fucked up, but I found out this thing about this guy <laughs> from this guy. Like we should try it sometime. Yeah. There's a lot of conversations that have to happen before you go into a situation like this if you're going to do it like safely and smartly and respectfully. Yeah, so so, I guess it's probably a lot of like boundaries and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is really important. And again, it was just like another one of those like pivotal moments where we had to have these really hard, tough, awkward conversations, but it brought us closer and... um, And yeah, so it was actually really fun to be able to be like, let's just go to one and just, we'll just go and we'll just, we'll have a drink and we'll just, you know, kind of watch, you know, essentially be a voyeur in a sex club and really interesting experience. And so then we, we didn't like the first club we went to. And so then we tried a different club and that one was much more welcoming and it just felt more our vibe. And so then we we went to the clubs a few times and, you know, some of those experiences led to like more intimate experiences with other couples. And it sort of like, I don't know, it almost like refired like a sexy part of our relationship, which was really fun. Yeah, well, it also feels like the two of you are just like having like you've you've kind of mentioned this theme a few times of like having these hard, uncomfortable conversations, but then kind of coming out on the other side of it, feeling like a little bit stronger as like a couple. Absolutely. And I feel like 
you know, like, I mean, I've only ever really been in monogamous relationships. So it's like, I feel like just knowing that from experience, I feel like there are those times where you're just like, you're not talking about things that you, that are, that are hard things that you probably should be talking about. Yeah. Um, and you're just like kind of choosing not to have the conversation, both like passively choosing to not have this conversation right. because it's going to be like a hard conversation that might cause some problems. But it feels like just the kind of like the world of polyamory is a world where you like get really good at having these tough conversations. Yeah, definitely. You, the more and the more you do it, the more comfortable you get and the less hard it becomes and the less because I think the hardest part of those conversations is starting them. Yeah. Because uh, it's just, you're so afraid of, but what if it goes wrong? What if I'm better off not? What, like, and there's all those what ifs, but once you start the conversation, usually it it ends up being the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like that scariness, but you're kind of like, and again, I, I, you you have to come in it from a sense of like, I guess really being like trusting, be trusting in, in, in with the other person and knowing like, yeah, hey, I like, I'm not coming from this place of like, I guess, you know, even like you kind of, again, making these mistakes that you've made a lot, the bumps in the road, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't seem like guy ever came at them with this, like, you know, maybe there was like, again, more, more intense parts of those conversations, (laughs) but there was never coming from a place of like, you know, anger or shaming you or like they were coming from a place of like, oh, this is, I, I care about you and I want to talk about this because of how it's like the, the care part of it, I guess. Exactly. And, and the mutual respect and communication. And that's why like this was such a pivotal relationship for me because it was the most mature relationship I had ever had because we could just talk. We could talk about the hard things, the ugly things, the fun things, whatever. And And that was so important to me. That sort of changed like my perspective on, you know, yeah, how to have a a healthier relationship. And it, and some of it was, a lot of it was because we were living outside the norm. And, and so, you know, you have to talk about those things if it's going to be healthy. And so, you know, Guy and I spent a lot of time together. We probably spent like, like five or six days of the week together. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's in a, like in a world where like, I guess if he didn't have a wife, you're like, so are you like, is he like spending nights with you? Like how, like that kind of stuff too, like the amount of. Yeah. And and so, yeah. So basically like, exactly. If he didn't have a wife, like people would just think that like we were just like the primary couple or however you want to call it. And, and, and again, like his wife knew what was going on. I knew her, like I would go to their parties. The three of us had dinner occasionally, like there was no secrets on his end. Right. And so I definitely had moments where I was jealous and angry and mad. And I like, I'll be completely honest, wanted to pick me over her. And like, there were those hard feelings because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process how do I deal with society telling me that I'm supposed to be with one person for the rest of my life. And I'm supposed to be monogamous and hetero and all of that. And then I'm having this wonderful relationship that is outside the norm and questions my beliefs and boundaries and really the beliefs that have been instilled in me. So there was definitely moments where I was trying to grapple with my own understanding of it. Yeah, because it feels like it's that it's especially because now at this point, too, you've you've gone from being this like, oh, this is going to be a fun, casual thing that I don't need to like think too much about. So now it's been multiple years and. I have like real feelings for this person mm-hmm. and it seems like almost the way you described it too with like the kind of this this idea of like the monogamy I guess like glasses of it is like oh yeah. I want to be the most important person yeah. in this 
yeah. rung, and right? And it's like, how yeah. do I become more important than the, the wife? Like, Right. And and it's this thing that I think probably people talk about the relationship escalator and how that's sort of like a toxic thing where it's like, well, once you're together for this long, then you move in together and then you get engaged then you get married. And it's like, ugh. And I've never wanted any of those things. But again, because society yeah. tells you these things <laughs> that we've been like almost programmed to want them. <laughs> Yeah, so you're getting like in your head about this stuff that you're not actually in your head about. It's more that like maybe a friend is like, is that weird or this like, or just the world that you're seeing around you is like telling you that like, I should be more upset or annoyed or stressed about this type of thing. And now I'm actually getting stressed about it, even though exactly I shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, even though I shouldn't be, and I, I don't actually want you're that not. thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so it was interesting. So I had moments of jealousy and like, and, you know, in the poly swinger, whatever BDSM community we call, um, the opposite of jealousy is compersion. And so. Is what? Sorry, what is this? What? Yeah, it's called compersion. Oh, yeah. I literally don't think I've ever heard this word before. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's like made it to a dictionary yet, but like, okay. like I think the poly swinging community has sort of coined it as the word that's the opposite of jealousy. So essentially being happy when your partner is like, you know, whether it's like a physical, emotional thing, like having feelings for someone else. And I think it's a really lovely word. And so, so at times I had compersion that him and his wife, you know, would do their domestic things. But at times I also had jealousy. I was like, well, I want to be the one who, who gets to go to that other random friend's dinner party with you, you know, like stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing was that, um, I, So his friends and family and his wife and like they all knew me. They all knew that I was his girlfriend and like there was no secrets and everyone was cool with it. Um, But only a very select handful of my friends knew the true story while this was all going on. Yeah. So so like the majority of people in your life knew that like guy was your boyfriend and that was it. Like there was no other like and also, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. just kind of like that was just that was what it was. Yep. So like even like, you know, talking to a coworker at work sometimes having big and I went to a party at at Guy's house, like having to like stop myself from saying both their names and just It feels like it's coming from that place of that shame that we were kind of talking about before of like mm-hmm. the societal kind of like this is what things are supposed to be. Yeah. And especially because he was so much older than me, I I was so afraid that people would assume the get the wrong idea, like oh he's just taking advantage of you because you're younger. Or like, and it was like anybody who would meet us and like see us would be like would totally understand that that was not what was going on. But I, there was like stigma and shame and um, self consciousness around it on my end that I didn't really know how to like talk about it. And so I know, and like later in life, like I realized that like, he didn't always want to hang out with me and my friends and reflecting back on it. I get it because he didn't want to have to hide who he was. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, mad respect, you know, like now I actually really understand why you didn't always want to come hang out with me and my friends or me and my family. And like, I totally respect that because I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't even comfortable enough with my own sexuality and wants in life at the time. (laughs) And the funny thing is like, anyone who knows me knows like I'm a really honest person. I'm really blunt. Like, like I'm an open book. Like I wear my heart on my sleeve. I actually couldn't stand that I had to hide that information from people, especially people that were really close to me. Like it would actively eat me up, but I didn't know, I didn't know how else to own it at the time. 
Yeah. And it truly just feels like it's coming from a place of, again, this like this societal shame rather than like your personal shame. Like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And so, you know, those are some of the the juicier details of like the (laughs) the harsher realities of, of life that that maybe don't make it into my show. And so. So then, okay, now we're fast going back to like post swinger. Yeah, your swinger era. era. (laughs) Yes. And so I had gotten accepted um, into the University of Georgia to go get my MFA in acting. And, you know, we knew this was coming. And so we, neither one of us wanted to do a long distance relationship because that's just not fun for anyone. But neither one of us wanted to break up. And, So I ended up moving. He like helped me move. It was super fun. We made it like a road trip and he would basically come and visit me like every four to six weeks. He would like fly down for a long weekend. And obviously whenever I had breaks, I'd like come back up this way and see family and see him and stuff. Um, But, you know, like that was a rocky part, too. It's like hard to do a long distance relationship. Um, But we made it work. And I was so busy with grad school. It wasn't like I was really even interested in hooking up with anyone else until I started hooking up with someone else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know that thing you're not interested in until right. it happens. Until it starts happening. <laughs> yeah, and like in retrospect, like it was really stupid. <laughs> but um, I was starting to get to that point where I was getting mad again. That like I'm like, well, can you pick me? And I want you to like like start a life with me. I want you to move here. Like let's do this thing together. Like you're not happy in your life. Whatever. Um, and so, you know, we had had those conversations and so sometimes it was confusing, like, and so, and sometimes I would get frustrated. So anyway, I started hooking up with someone and tried to lie about it and hide it. And I know shame on me. Like I'm never saying I'm a perfect person over here, (laughs) but it was bad. Like it, it ended up like really hurting him and I felt horrible about it. And, and it just was not it was not good. It was like probably one of the last straws and like some of the bad that we had done to each other, some of the distrust that was there. And it's just was like, all right, clearly the relationship had run its course. Like, I think the point of all of this is the relationship had run its course and it was like, all right. And so we, we kept trying, but like, it was just becoming toxic and we weren't toxic people. Like we, like at the end of the day, we just loved each other and cared about each other and adored each other and had fun. And it was just like, all right. So eventually like I had to completely rip the bandaid off and be like, I'm done. And I can't speak to you. You can't speak to me like this. We're done. And it, it sucked because I, I actually, there was a, a phase where I really wanted him to like stay my friend. Like he's still friends with all of his exes to this day. Cause that's just the kind of person that he is. And it's not weird for anyone. Like they're just good friends. And yeah. so, and I always think that's like a weird thing when you, you are so close to this person and you break up and then you never speak to the, them again. It's like really a sad loss, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah, I wish that was, yeah, I wish that was like a more, uh, and I really, I've definitely had relationships where I'm like, yeah, I don't, it's okay that I don't talk to this person again, but it's like, yeah, I think right. there's like to have that, the, have the amount of time and like just shared experience that you have yes. with somebody over that amount of time to just be like, all right, I, you don't matter to me. Like this part of my life is yeah. going in like a box and be put on a shelf and never taken out again. And it's yeah. Like, it's so sad. Uh, and I, I wish we, and I think it, again, I think it goes back to a societal thing. I don't think as a society, yeah, we know how to process a breakup and how to process it in a healthy way where there could be the potential for a genuine friendship after that. 
And so that's, it's like a very sad thing to me. So we, we tried to be friends that wasn't working. And so basically, um, we didn't speak for three years. Oh, wow. And it was like really hard. I missed him all the time. There was always, you know, as you do, like, you know, there's those habits and, but you know, there was a lot of good that came out of it. As I was saying earlier, it was like, there was just so much about our relationship that just sort of helped me to blossom into the person that I am into like the artistic minded, liberal thinking person that I love being. And so while I'm processing the breakup, like I had a definitely like a semester of just being like the crazy drunk girl, like <laughs> you know, going to the bar with my friends and being like, fuck it. Right. But then I start, I was in this queer theater history class and I was also reading the book, The Ethical Slut. I'm like reading this book and I'm like processing what, what their definitions of non-monogamy are. And I'm in this queer theater history class feeling like I identify as a poly person, not even totally identifying with the bi side of myself at this point, but just like knowing that I've, I kind of like was identifying as sexually fluid and, um, and I'm feeling like as a poly person that I've been very closeted and those experiences were very similar to the homosexual experiences that were in the plays of theater history that we were like reading. And so, um, and then COVID hit and we were going into my last year of grad school and it was just kind of like, well, you're supposed to have a thesis project for your last year. And um, usually we were already pre-assigned roles in plays that we were supposed to be in, but obviously COVID happened. They canceled that and they're like, I don't know, figure it out. Like do like do your own solo show or whatever from Zoom. <laughs> and, you know, it was like crazy times. That seems, and, yeah, I was teaching when that happened and that seems very yeah. accurate of like, all right, just do your best to figure it out. Like, sorry. Literally, <laughs> no one had any formula for what to do. So like, I totally understand why that was what it was. And honestly, I'm super grateful in some ways that it happened like that, because after coming out of that semester, pro like reading The Ethical Slut, like I, feeling like I do identify as Polly um, and being in the queer theater history class and then like facing my final year of grad school having to write um, or having to be in a thesis role, I was like, I'm going to write a show and I'm going to write it about that chapter of my life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now, yeah, that became your show, which I, how we met is I saw yeah. your show, uh, which was great. A real, Thank you. it's funny. I was like, I walk, I left your show in my head. I, I was like, oh yeah, this is like the schoolhouse rock for like polyamory like sex and polyamory <laughs> like you had there's just I some really that. fun like simple premise things that you do such a good job and make very fun <laughs> but like explain like they're good explainers you know like yeah, you have a good job yeah. of being like both experience and I mean just good singing but also like yeah good good information <laughs> that you're bringing out in the songs um, yeah thank you so it's a very fun show. Um, so yeah, this like so all this led to you making the show, having this experience, um, and now and now you're at where you are today. Yeah, so now I actually live in Philly again. I just moved back to Philly, and uh, I had brought my show. So I'll give the audience one fun, like one more little like fun nugget. Um, when I brought my show to Philly Fringe in September of 2022. Uh, guess who showed up on opening night? <laughs> 
guy. And I literally almost had a heart attack because we hadn't spoken in oh, three years. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, you hadn't started speaking yet. That was like no. how you started speaking again. That was, was it. showing up at your show. He showed up. He oh, heard God. me on NPR. He heard me on WHYY. He happened to see my show in the fringe, like pamphlet, and he bought a ticket. He was like, I didn't want to think twice about it. I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to buy a ticket. And he showed up and I almost barfed. I couldn't believe it because he had no idea that I yeah, wrote that this was entire show about character of the show <laughs> other than you yeah. oh it was so crazy what was the conversation like after was there like a uh th- thanks yeah. like what like yeah like- no so he he i think he was like flattered but mortified so he left and he didn't he sent me a text like a little while later that evening and he was like hey, do you want to catch up while you're back in Philly? And then he sent like a little turtle emoji and there's a a turtle theme in my show. So I knew that that turtle emoji was enough to be like, oh, okay, this is a good thing. Like he wants to just catch up this. So like a few days later, we ended up, you know, grabbing a drink at one of our old haunts and catching up. And it was really lovely. (laughs) I guess that's as good as that could go, you know, like. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I guess it must feel nice to like, you know maybe you're not like consistently having having him in your life but at least like as you said before like having that relationship in the in the amount of time and history that the two of you had to like yeah be able to like have each other in each other's lives in some way now yeah it's so nice and I think too like the both both of us you know that month that I was back in Philly for the fringe before I moved back we were able to talk about some of the ways that our relationship ended and really process it and forgive each other and just like there was never really like animosity or hate but like it was so nice to just get that resolution because a lot of us we don't get that in a relationship and we do really care about these people so overall like it's it was a great experience and uh that whole relationship you know like I said it really laid the foundation for the person I blossomed into and it turned into a great show (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you got like two pretty good things out of it, both right? figuring out you as a person and getting a good show out of it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If people want to find out more about who you are, what you do, what you got going on, like where can they follow you? Yeah. So you can follow me um, on Instagram at how to be an ethical slut. So that is for Instagram and TikTok. Um, and you'll get to see some of the clips from my show and things like that. And eventually I'll be doing another tour. But I have put touring How to Be an Ethical Slot on hold for a little while because I am working on writing my second show, which is called Gaslighting the Musical. <laughs> so that is going to be another one-woman musical comedy. Very different, dark comedy, as you can probably tell from the title. Um, and so I'm working on that show right now. And you can follow that show's journey on Instagram at Gaslighting the Musical. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much again for sharing, Brooke. Yeah, thank you, Brian, for bringing me on. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at LoveHurtsPod, and our website is LoveHurtsPod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. <laughs>